Thank you, thank you. So like we do every week, we're just going to be straight up. Our desire is, first of all, that you'll make Jesus the Lord of your life. And then number two, that you'll make Downey First Christian Church your church home. And we're so glad uh, that you're here with us today. A couple of announcements very quick before we continue. We need volunteers for our children's ministry. As our church is growing and people are starting to come back, we need volunteers for our children's ministry. So we have uh, a QR code. And if you have your phone, you can take a picture of that or put it into picture mode and then put it up there. It's going to send you to a registration. So if you want to volunteer for our children's ministry, that is a space uh, where you can volunteer. And you're going to be part of a rotation. You don't have to do it every week. You're going to be part of a, of a rotation uh, to be able to be a part of that. And so that's uh, announcement number one. Announcement number two is that we have a leadership training, a leadership training. This is going to take place on July 25th from 3 to 4. It's just a, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend about an hour, 45 minutes, just talking to leaders, talking to leaders about who we are as a church and where we're going as a church. So if you uh, lead anything in our church or you're part of a team of people in our church, if you're an elder in the, in the church, if you're staff, um, if you're a growth group leader or you're a serve team leader, this is a meeting for, hey, and even if like you just want to show up and see what this meeting is all about, you are more than welcome uh, to participate in that. So I would love to see you uh, here. That's going to be July 25th. It's on a Sunday in our uh, church cafe. All right. Those are the two announcements. So we are uh, continuing a series on the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs. And we've been reading the book of Proverbs together, and this is a, it's just a beautiful wisdom literature. And we've been talking about different verses, and we've been reading it together, um, and we've been talking about these two big ideas, these two big ideas that go throughout the whole uh, book of Proverbs, and it's the whole idea of, number one, wisdom, wisdom, which we've talked about is different than knowledge, right? Um, some people have a lot of knowledge but don't have a lot of wisdom. Uh, some people have a lot of wisdom and don't necessarily have a lot of knowledge, right? So this book is talking about wisdom. It is, it is knowledge that is applied in the proper context and in the right moment. That's what wisdom is and that's what this book is all about. And so uh, the other big idea from the book of Proverbs is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. But when we talk about fear of the Lord, we're not talking about being scared of God. No, no, it's this, this humble submission to God. It's basically understanding who you are in relation to who God is. And you see that throughout the entire book of Proverbs. And so we're going to look at a proverb today, and it's Proverbs 17, 17. Proverbs uh, chapter 17, verse 17. And it says this. I absolutely love this verse. It says this. A friend loves at all times and is born as is a brother for adversity. Let me read that again. A friend loves at all times and is born as is a brother for adversity. And so today I'm going to talk about friendship. I'm going to talk about friendship and what is, what, what is the biblical perspective of friendship. So let me ask you a question. When you guys think about the good old days, like I don't know what the good old days was for you. I'm a child of the 80s, by the way. So for me, the good old days is the 80s. Like I think about the 80s. Any, any takers here? 80s? 80s? Over there? Over there? Yeah. Best, best time ever. Best time ever. So when I, when I think about the 80s, I think about the slinky. Right? When I think about the 80s, I think about, about Pac-Man, right? When I think about the 80s, I think about who's with me here? Rocky IV, anyone? Right? So 
that's, that's the good old days, at least for me. And now I'm being selfish with this because I'm not including everyone. But in the 80s, you could see a guy wearing Reebok pumps, tube socks up to their knees, shorts that were way too short for any guy to wear, a tank top, and that guy looked cool. Like, I see a guy like that today, and I might cross the other, street, the other side of the street because I don't feel safe. I'm not saying that that's, I mean, you can dress however you want. But the point is that, that things have changed as time has gone by. Things are very, very different now. And one of the things that mainly has, has changed is the way that we communicate. We communicate so differently now. You know, I think that, that one of the main things that made a difference is cell phones and the internet. It changed everything. It literally changed everything. You see, when, when I grew up, and you, there was a girl that you liked, you had to pick up the phone, you had to call the number with the very real possibility that the dad was going to answer, and you had to give an account about your intentions with the daughter. When you wanted to go out on a date, you would have to show up, and there was no texting from the car, like, hey, I'm out here. No, no, you literally had to walk up to the door ring the doorbell or knock on the door and the dad would show up or the mom and he may, may ask you in the dinner. Things have changed. The way we communicate has really changed. And it's not all bad. Of course it's not all bad because we can talk to our friends across the globe in real time. That's awesome. I love being able to communicate with my daughter or my kids in real time wherever they're at. So that's, there's, a, there's, a good thi- there's a good side of the internet and there's a good side uh, of, of uh, cell phones, right? So I don't know if things are actually better now because we are, we are more connected globally than we've ever been before. I can be talking to different people in the world on my phone or on the computer, but, but at the same time, not connecting with the person right next to me. So there's a good side and there's a bad side. And one of the things that has definitely changed as a result of what we're going through right now is our, our understanding of relationships. Like, how do we see relationships? Specifically, how do we understand friendship? What does friendship mean to us? So Mark, Mark Zuckerberg, right, he, he redefined friendship for us, right? And plus, I don't like the way he drinks water. Have you seen him, Mark Zuckerberg drink water? Like, I can't trust a guy that drinks water like that. Look it up, on, you'll see it. It's just, it's, it's kind of a meme, but it's funny. But that, I'm joking. But the point is, the point is that, that um, this, he has, de- he has redefined how we understand friendship. Because friendship nowadays is based on a click. So you, you, you push a button on your phone, you know, you, you push the screen, and you make friends with someone that you may have seen one time at a wedding, and then in the same way that you clicked him into your friend circle, you can unclick him out of your friend circle just as easy. Now call me old school, but to me, to me, a friend is a friend who's there for you. And a friend is a person who you are there for them as well. A friend is a person that when they're sad, you're sad. When they're happy, you're happy. You know them, you are up to speed with them. That's an actual friend. And call me old school, but a a social media friend only is not a real friend. And that, that's, that's, I'm not trying to say you have to eliminate, eliminate all your friends from Facebook or you have to eliminate all of your connections that you have uh, through Instagram. What I'm trying to say, because this is church, is that, is that 
that the biblical understanding, the biblical understanding of friendship could not be further away from whether or not you follow someone on social media. When the Bible talks about friendship and what a friendship actually is, it couldn't be further away of our current understanding of uh, social media friends only. Let's look at the verse again. Verse uh, uh, 17 from chapter uh, 17 of Proverbs, it says this, a friend... A friend loves at all times and is born as is a brother for adversity. And so what defines a a true friendship is that they are there for you when the times are tough. I had to learn this the hard way. Um, When I was in high school, I had two years of of my high school period to where I was really popular. I had friends over at my house all the time. We had pool parties. It was great. Then we moved, and I didn't have that many friends anymore. I was down to about three friends. And I'm like, what happened? Like, what happened to my, whole, my other friend group? Like, where are all these people that I used to be so popular that they, want, they wanted to hang out with me all the time? And one of my good friends is like, open your eyes. You no longer have a pool. <laughs> so it, sometimes it takes situations like that for you to realize who is actually with you and who isn't. And maybe you've been through this too. Maybe, maybe you've been through some adversity, and then you realize who are the people that are actually your friends and who are the people in your life that are mere acquaintances. You see, adversity can be a teacher and will allow for us to filter through who is who in our life. And it's so beautiful because the, the scripture equates friendship to brotherhood. Like a friend is like a brother, like a brother. You know, the way I define uh, friendship is like, is like family. Like friendship is like family that you choose. They're your family that you choose. Because I, like I, have, I have a brother and a sister, Nathan and April. And April's going to move to the States, by the way, just so you know, you guys are going are gonna to meet her here uh, in the next uh, couple of months. But April and Nathan, they're my, they're my brother and sister. And they're my family, right? But I didn't choose them. I mean, it's true, and you have people in your life that they're just your family. You don't choose them, but they're there. But, but your friends, biblically, your friends are like family that you choose. They're there for you. Uh, my wife and I, we have, we have family that we choose. We have our family, and then we have family that we choose. And we've talked about this before. I might have shared it here, but we have three levels of friendship, which is kind of an interesting thing. So there's level one is we call it the door, the front door friend. Number two is the living room friend. And number three is the kitchen friend. So the, the front door is the, just, it could be the mailman. Like you're just having an interaction, it's really quick, and the person leaves. And then there's the, there's the uh, living room uh, friendship, which is you invite them over, maybe you have some coffee, maybe you have a little meal. But then there's level three, which is your kitchen friends. And in Chile, we, my wife and I, we had some kitchen friends. And I literally, ha- I had a friend, he would show up, he would open the fridge, help himself to a sandwich, and then say hello. <laughs> but that was fine, because he was a friend that we choose. And th- these, these friends that we had, they, they had stood the test of time. They were with us through sickness. They were with us through the birth of our kids, wedding, prosperity, death in the family, hardship, vacation together. There's some issues that we just have to agree to disagree. Like, I'm just going to say, hey, you know what? I love you more. I have more love for you than I have for my viewpoint, so we're just going to move forward. These are the friends that have stood the test of time. These are true friends that are with us. 
And the reason why I bring this up is because, because that, listen to this, the, the reason why I bring all this up is because when you read the scriptures, you will discover that this is who we are called to be as a church. We are called to be that family that you choose. You see it over and over in the scriptures. You see that they're we're referred to as a brotherhood. We're referred to as the family of God, brothers and sisters in Christ. And so my concern is that in the same way that, that social media can make, or, or so, uh, so, uh, you know, social media can, can, can make relationships superficial, my fear is that there's a parallel between that and church in the sense that the way that we do church may allow for our relationships to become superficial. And I'm going to unpack this here a little bit so we understand it. The early church was very different than what we do now. I'm not saying that what we do is bad. They did things and they had a whole bunch of issues too. But the way that they did church back in the early church, it was really um, revolved around a meal. Most, and most of the time it was in someone's house and you would have a meal, and someone would share, share a word, another one would sing a hymn, someone would do a prayer, and then the highlight of the evening was the meal. And then they would do like Jesus did, they would break the bread, and they would drink this wine together. And so the, the reason why I, I share that is because the way that we do church now is very strange, by the way, and it's very new as well. The lights, the stage, the screen, the microphone, the, the microscopic bread that we eat for communion— all those things are new, and they're not bad. And I actually love the way that we do it because it becomes very efficient. Church becomes very efficient, right? But my question is, is, that what we have, is it possible that what we have gained in efficiency, we have lost in relationships? Because we make it very easy to come and go, to come through the back door and then leave without being noticed. And if that's you... No shame. If that's what you want to do, that's fine. But here's what I want you to know. I believe there's more for you. There's more for you to give, and there is more for you to receive. You see, what was so attractive to outsiders about the early church wasn't whether they had lights or not, or, what it is, or how the liturgy went. What was attractive was how they loved each other. People from the outside, they would watch the church and they're like, I don't know what they believe, but that love, I've never seen it before. They're like family. And they're not even, they're not even actual family, but they're like family. That's what was so attractive. It was like family. It was like a brotherhood. We see that in Acts, in Acts chapter 2, verse, starting in verse 42. This gives you a little bit of a glimpse of how the early church was. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give uh, to uh, anyone who was in need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So what outsiders saw about the church was that they, they were, there was love, there was brotherhood, there were a family, they were a community. They saw true friendship. And so here's my temptation as a pastor, 
It's to do, to do like, you know what, let's just do away with everything. Let's take all the lights out. Let's just eliminate this whole thing. And we're going to do like the early church. We're all going to sell all our possessions. And we're all going to go live in a commune all together. Who's in? Right? I saw a hand back there. That's funny. We're not going to do that, by the way. This is, not, this is not what we're called to do. And this is not what the Bible is teaching us. So let me ask you this. So we can connect these two ideas. How do you see your fellow believer? How do you see the people around you? Do you see them as an acquaintance? Do you see them as someone that you only see on Sundays? Is it just a face that you recognize? Is it someone that you would just wave at in the street? I think that's a good question. Because here's what's happening. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but most, so there's, there's a study. Most churches in America have lost about 50% of their pre-COVID church attendance. And for California, it's, it's worse, by the way. And if you look around, you'll notice that there's, there's, there's empty seats around you. You'll, you can see that. And so the reason why I bring that up is because God's going to fill those seats. Like this, this church, God's going to bring growth. I have no doubt about that. It's going to happen. But the thing that I want to bring up right now is that as we continue to grow as a church that we will be able to put this into the DNA of our church, like we'll understand why we're here and we'll understand who we are and how we're supposed to relate to each other. We're not supposed to be just acquaintances. We have this connector, which is Christ, that is deeper than, than, than a bloodline. I don't want us to just be numerous congregations. I want us to be a family. Jesus asks us to do two things in Matthew chapter 22. He says, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. You see, love is not a feeling. We're not asking like, oh, you got to feel all these things. No, no, no. Love is not a feeling. Love is an action. And I want to share with you what God has been pressing into my heart in the, in the past months about us as a church. And it's this. It's, it's prayer. Prayer? Yes, it's prayer. You see, when you look at the early church, Acts 2.42, it says they devoted, they, they devoted themselves to four things. One, to the apostles' teaching, which is good. You guys, you guys are great listeners, by the way. Number two, to fellowship, which is good. I see you guys getting together. You guys meet outside. There's, you know, groups of bikers that go and do different things. I mean, this is a, it's a good, good fellowship. Number three, the breaking of bread. That's good. We take communion every Sunday. But the fourth one is prayer. And I want to talk about this just a little bit because one of the things that God has laid on my heart is prayer. Is praying for one another. There's so much power in prayer. I don't want for prayer to be something that we do occasionally. I want for prayer to be something that is part of our DNA. Like what better thing can you do for your brother and your sister than pray for them? What advice could you give them that would be better than a prayer? And God intervening into their situation. First Thessalonians chapter 5 says we should pray continually. It's not something that we do sporadically. We need to pray. We need to pray. We need to pray. And one of the things that, that, I, that I, I feel like God laid on my heart is, have you noticed before church starts, is that there's like people are talking to each other. There's like a little bit of a, of a you know, conversation and stuff like that. He put it on my heart that, that I want for that to be prayers. Like, let's catch up. That's great. But then, hey, can I pray for you? Oh, that's going through your life. Okay, let me, just, let me just pray for you right now. Like, I would love for us to do that more. Because the moment you start praying for someone, 
the moment you talk to that person and that person shares something with you and you say, can I pray over that? You have just made a spiritual connection with that person that is deeper than any relationship. And you will meet that person the next Sunday and you'll tell them, how's it going? And we're going to hear story after story of things that God is doing. You'll pray for them to be healed from cancer, spiritual breakthrough, deliverance, miracles. Just pray for these things. Pray for these things. I was talking with my staff this week, and we were just talking about how last Sunday was a, was a train wreck, absolute train wreck. And you may be like, wait, what are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, like from a technical perspective, like the lyrics on this thing and then the video, and it was like, I felt angry. Like, I'm like, really? Again? We've been through this. I, f- I felt frustrated. But then God stopped me because at the end of that service, there was a couple in the back and I would say about 20 to 25 people, we just started praying over something very specifically that they needed for God to come through in their life that they've been waiting for for weeks. And we prayed. And it wasn't just any regular prayer. Like we were praying. It was an intense prayer. And we were believing. And we put all of our faith there. And I kid you not, it felt, it might have been 10, 15 minutes. It felt like just 20 minutes later, we'd get a text message and God had answered that prayer. I love that so much. I love that so much. Because we can see God moving in our church. And yes, we got all this blessing of the church and how we do it, and that's great. But let's not ever let that stuff get in the way. When you pray for someone, that connection happens in a deep way, and I believe this is what God is calling us to do. I'm gonna gonna close with this. I'm gonna close with this. So, Proverbs 17, 17. I'll read it one more time and then we'll close. A friend loves at all times and is born as is a brother for adversity. So there's this man called Sebastian Junger. Have you guys ever heard of this man? Sebastian Junger is a uh, filmmaker. He, um, he's a reporter and he was in the war in Afghanistan and uh, he was in Desert Storm and he, he was in the trenches throughout these, uh, these terrible wars. You know, he saw everything firsthand. And he gave a TED Talk. And in this TED Talk, the TED Talk that he was given, it was, Why Do Veterans Miss War? It's such a strange title. And he started unpacking what he meant by that. And he was saying that, that it was this strange phenomenon that would happen to some veterans to where they wanted to go back to war. And it's weird because who would want to go back to war? War is a terrible thing. There's fear, there's discomfort, there's heat, there's danger. You're away from your family. There's so many reasons why war is bad. But he discovered this phenomenon that happened very often. That soldiers would go back to their regular life after serving. And life seemed meaningless. What was this all about? Why would they want to go back? Well, what they missed from war wasn't all the bad things about war. You see, what these, these soldiers, they had, they had been trained when they fight and when they're together, they, they're trained to put, to put their lives on the front lines for the group. In other words, that the well-being of the group is higher priority than their own. And that and they had seen it firsthand. Like they, they'd seen people take bullets for one another. They had seen people put themselves in harm's way for the group. And then they would go back into regular life and everything seemed meaningless. 
like a meaningless conversation. We're gossiping about this other person. We're having Starbucks coffee. And you don't know if these friendships are actually real. They're like, you know what? I prefer to put myself in harm's way rather than having these superficial relationships here. They wanted to go back to war. Interesting phenomenon. So when I think about that, I can't help but thinking about the early church and thinking about what we could become as a church in the sense that we would be so deeply connected through prayer and and through relationships that every relationship outside of the church would pale in comparison to what we have here. Let's take the first step. Let's start praying for, for each other. So what I want to do here now is I want us to take a moment. I want to ask if you guys can just close your eyes and bow your heads and nobody look anywhere, please. This is, this is a moment for you. So I want to ask the Holy Spirit, I want, to, I want to invite you to ask the Holy Spirit two questions. Number one is, what did I learn here this morning today? And number two, what is the step that you're asking me to take? And we're going to pray. Lord God, we place ourselves before you this morning, recognizing first of all that you have brought us together to be there for one another. Lord God, I understand, we all understand that life gets busy and we've got so much going on. We also understand that that we are called to be a, a brotherhood. We're called to be the family of God. And I pray, Lord, that we won't just come to church and then leave and listen to a message and then leave. I pray that we will take an extra step, that we will connect with one another in a deeper way, starting with prayer. We will talk to one another and just pray in that moment and ask for you to intervene. I pray, God, that the result of this will be that we'll be able to connect in a deeper way, that we'll truly breathe there for each other, that the blood of Christ will will connect all of us together in a a much deeper way. I pray for this, God, that we'll take the next step in this, Lord. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.